Alternative Radio. Oh, pre-roll time. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Inked Marketing, and the Inked Marketing crowdfunded comic for this here episode is none other than The Listener. I'm not going to stop pushing The Listener until the day's... Um, well, until it doesn't make sense anymore. <laughs> Live now on Kickstarter, issue two of The Listener, Win Wins Weep. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if you've been following the podcast at all, you know I've been talking all about The Listener. I've had Dustin Brunel on the podcast. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, it's already a, uh, what is a, what do they call it, a comic we love on Kickstarter after a few hours? This is, is, this is big. Inked Marketing called it on this one. They know their stuff. Quality control, baby. And uh, The Listener breaking on through. But it's not too late. It's never too late. Just, uh, it's never... Mm -hmm. Well, it can be too late. But in the meantime, it's not, I guess. (laughs) Hop on Kickstarter, search The Listener, and, uh, oh yeah, Uh, what is The Listener about? Well, it's it's real stuff uh, based off of a real military man uh, that did some real military stuff. And with a, a supernatural twist, so mm, I, I I can't say enough great things about it. I really can't. So jump on Kickstarter, search the listener. Proudly brought to you by Inked Marketing. <laughs> Oh well, hello again and welcome back to the Cheers to Comics podcast. I'm your host Brian Wayne. This episode is number 287. The 287th episode is in fact a creator corner and the corner or <laughs> the corner that I created is uh for a creator that I cornered. Ah, <laughs> uh, saved it. Saved it. Steven Peros. Steven Peros. Uh you you may or may not recognize that name. I'm going to bet that in the very near future it's going to be household. Uh Steven Peros goes all the way back to the days of she. Mhm. Mhm. And now he's got a Mhm. Mhm. A book sitting right in front of me actually. In between the time we recorded this podcast and the time I'm recording this intro, I actually received the 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 Indiegogo book, Stoker and Wells, Order of the Golden Dawn. And I gotta say, having it in my hand right now, it's absolutely beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful, and I do believe that it is still available on Indiegogo. Um, because that's that's how good of a project it is. They're just gonna let it keep being sold. So Stoker and Wells is what Stephen Perros comes on the show to talk about, and we have an amazing time. Uh, Ryland Grant, friend of the podcast, is you know he reached out and said, "Hey man, I want you to talk to my friend." And I was like, "I don't care if your friend's a goldfish at this point. I'm gonna have him on my podcast because <laughs> Ryland Grant is just uh, his 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 word and his opinion." I don't know, it just resonates with me, so anything that he says is good, I'm going to believe, and I'll be damned. Steven Peros, uh, he's a charmer. He's a charmer. You're going to love him. Uh, I'm I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. So enjoy Steven Peros. All right, Steven Peros, how you doing, sir? I am well. Thanks so much for having me. Did I say that right? Is it Peros or Peros? Peros. Peros. Awesome. Awesome. It's a Greek last name. 
from my father, who hails from the island of, of Rhodos, the famous Colossus of uh, Rhodes. Uh, my dad was not the Colossus of Rhodes himself, personally, <laughs> uh, but uh, but that's where it comes from. It's not shortened from some longer version. It's uh, just Peros, P-E-R-O-S, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Well, you are another great creator, highly recommended by a friend of the show, Ryland Grant. Um, anytime Ryland recommends a creator, uh, it, it spawns another friendship with this podcast. I just... I, I love the guy, and anytime he has anything to say about anybody, I I, uh, I tune in. So I'm I'm happy to do this. I'm excited to see what he's uh, recommended for me here. And um, mm-hmm. you uh you, you gave me a little insight as to what you have coming out here, and I gotta take a a quick peek at it. And I gotta say, man, this is uh this is exciting stuff. Even more exciting after getting to look at the actual material. So thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. Yes, it's uh, it's uh, called Stoker and Wells. Order of the Golden Dawn. It yes. is a 94 page, 94 page, I'll do it this way a 94 page uh, graphic novel. Artist is Barry Orkin, who's extraordinary. Um, uh, it imagines uh, what if a 20 something screw up named H.G. Wells uh, met a 40 something theater manager named Bram Stoker, because that's who they were at that time. And what if the two men went on a 48-hour adventure that wound up leading to the creative inspiration for both man's first great work, which was A Time Machine for H.G. Wells and Dracula for Bram Stoker. So I conceived this. Uh, I'm a screenwriter and a TV writer, and I've sold and work, uh, sold pilots and written films for Lionsgate and Disney and, and NBC and Lifetime and AMC and things. So I wrote this as a script first. And... Um, and it, it, people liked it. Uh, off of it, I got hired to write something else, but no one ever pulled the trigger. It's an expensive film. And uh, so a couple of friends recommended, why don't you turn it into some other kind of uh, uh, IP, intellectual property? And so I had done that before with a script and turned it into a stage play, which did the trick and actually got people more interested in the movie, and that movie was made. But this time, this would not make a, a it would make it be very, very complex stage play to do this. Uh, but a, a graphic novel, I thought, would be a really good idea. I'd never done a graphic novel. I'd worked in a lot of different areas, uh, theater, film, TV, uh, and so why not? And I have dear friends who are in that world. The, the, the most known is Billy Tucci, who wrote She, the, mm. the character She that he created, which was a huge sensation in the 90s and early 2000s. The character went away uh, but Billy has been active with Sergeant Rock and so forth, and he's relaunched She with, I'm happy to say, me writing it. Uh, uh, first I co-wrote, and now I'm I'm solo writing the, the latest installment of She. That's awesome. She, yeah, Return of the Warrior, and now She uh, uh, Haikyo, which means ruins in Japanese. So I turned to Billy, and, and, and he and I both grew up with a very dear friend named Barry Orkin, who helped who contributed coloring and letter, uh, coloring and uh, inking to some early editions, the very earliest editions of uh, She, uh, Way of the Warrior in 95, 96. Barry also uh, did a book uh, with the great Gary Cohn of, uh, of Amethyst and Blue Devil fame. He did a, they did a book together called Demon Gun, or, uh, a supernatural Western that Barry drew entirely. It was a great black and white book. Um, but Barry's had a, basically, he's a great, great graphic artist who's done illustrations. He, he stepped away from comics, illustrations, paid gigs in the world of advertising, and he's, he's made a career out of his art. 
but he and I have always wanted to work together. He, Billy Tucci, and I have known each other since seventh grade. Oh wow! Back on Long Island, went to seventh grade, went to junior high together, high school, all came up together, helped each other out. And, uh, and did you so, guys ever find yourselves in a comic book store together at all as kids? Back then, sure, yeah. Yeah. In, uh, we grew up on Long Island together uh, in New York, a little town called North Babylon, and uh, comic book shops, video stores. Went to hopped on the train, the Long Island Railroad into Manhattan to go to comic book conventions. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, that's that's amazing, man. That yeah. makes me smile from ear to ear just yeah, knowing no, that. It was oh. a great time, and you know, and we all said we're gonna, you know continue to follow our dreams and we all did uh, at least three of us did uh, happy to say and, um, and we got great support from our friends over the years as well uh, so then so I turned to Barry I said Barry maybe you should draw this book Barry all is also this takes place in Victorian England and then jumps ahead to 58 uh, uh, 5892 so it starts in 1892 and then jumps ahead to 5892 wow. so Barry is not only a uh, I thought Barry would be perfect in his in, in also the art that I've seen him do over the years. So he loves his research. He loves classical, um, but he also loves uh, the, the the life of the imagination and the future and sci-fi and fantasy. So I thought, well, this is going to bring out the best in Barry. And um, we had a great working relationship doing this book. It was originally funded on Kickstarter. We funded the whole book, uh, including lettering by Marshall Dillon, who's, who's, who's uh, a, a name known to uh, comics folks. Um, uh, J.C. Vaughn was our editor. J.C. is the uh, uh, head of publishing for um, Gemstone Publishing and the Overstreet Comic Book Guide, but he's also a writer himself. He wrote, he co-wrote the, uh, the comics for uh, comic adaptations of Stargate, uh, Series 24. He's got his own original stuff. Uh, vampire PA and a whole bunch of different ones um, so, so Jeff knows the editor hat and he knows the writer hat so he was a great first editor to work with since this is since since this was a new world for writing a comic um, and uh, and so it was a great relationship we funded it the book uh, got delivered to backers at the end of 2019 it's, it's been on Amazon it's been on Comixology and then, then Billy Tucci said why don't you put it on Indiegogo and I said, I said, Indie, well, I already did. I did Kickstarter. Why would I do Indiegogo? I said, it's already done and it's available for purchase. He goes, you don't understand. There are people on Indiegogo who just, particularly comic book, they love Indiegogo. They just shop Indiegogo. In fact, they won't. They don't trust Amazon. They don't like it. They don't trust Kickstarter. They don't like it. But they love Indiegogo. Mm -hmm. I said, well, there's nothing to lose. So I created a page. I did some perks specifically for Indiegogo. Number one, I reduced the price of the book. 20% from anywhere else. I said every copy will be signed, which you don't get on Amazon. And then I did perks. We created uh, Stoker and Wells mug with oh. Barry's great logo. Those are awesome. Yeah, and instead of like a $14 mug, where they're a $10 mug, same thing. We made it a really cool set of of 10, a five, five bookmarks. We got Stoker. We got the Morlock character named Ren. We have a really cool one with the, the character it's modeled after Dracula and if you look closely it's all bats the whole yeah. thing that's bats. so rad man it, it almost kind of looks like that that classic jock uh, detective 880 cover in a way with the the, the joker and the bats and all that only yep. only mm, that's badass man yeah, that's yeah, badass. No, Barry is, this is Barry just put all his tools together he's learned over the years this is our heroine 
who is uh, named Nina. She is one of the um, Eloy from from H.G. Wells's um, Time Machine. She's also she's she's featured on the back cover. This this whole this whole okay artwork. yeah the one off for of, as a back cover for us. In fact, speaking of Barry, even though we have great colorists on this book, um, uh, Barry actually single handedly drew, inked, and colored both the cover and the backs. This is entirely uh, his work on the cover and the and the back. He's really quite extraordinary. It's beautiful. Um, so we're we're so the thing the Indiegogo uh, when this we we are our Indiegogo store is supposedly closing and and has reached its sixty day status. I think by the time this airs, but I think we're rolling into an on demand because we 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 exceeded by four hundred percent our goal, and so that's I think amazing. that's when when Indiegogo will kick you into uh, the on demand mode. So so oh, okay. Your folks should be able to get it. If you can't get it, it's Stoker and Wells. It, it, it'll definitely still be on Amazon. Um, uh, but again, I, I do believe it. you should be able to find it on Indiegogo. Well, the other thing that we're going to have on there is Billy Tucci's exclusive variant cover, uh. Find, which is based off of uh, Mucha, which was uh, Mucha, I forget how it's pronounced, his, his Art Nouveau designs. Because Billy said, well, your book takes place in 18... A show takes place eighteen. Sorry, book takes place in eighteen ninety two. That was Art Nouveau. Maybe I'll do an Art Nouveau cover, like those those uh, Moet Chandon labels, mm. and I'll have your heroine in in the book. So Billy did for our Kickstarter a limited number, and I had I think thirty left over. So for the Indiegogo people, I shipped these to Billy, which he didn't do for Kickstarter. He signed the thirty I had left. So we put those on Indiegogo, and they're going fast. I think we're down to twelve. Ah. Uh. So so people are buying this really, and it will be a collector's item. Billy Tucci is already collectible, and they, I, we won't make more of these. So when we're down, when those last fourteen go, that's it on on this uh, this cover. Plus, I sign all of them as well. The the speculators uh, listening to this podcast are salivating right now. They're probably <laughs> going to pause it for a second. Um, uh, so this is just on Indiegogo, right? So the, when they're pausing it, that's where they go, right? Indiegogo to okay. And uh, <laughs> but now Billy did a great job. He really did a lovely job on, the, on this cover. I have to say, it's not a, a lot of times you see these varying covers that artists do as favors for other other creators. And sometimes you could tell they really had the time to take their time. Other times, you know, the creator was like, I need it Friday. And they had to whip something up. Mm-hmm. But Billy just did this gorgeous job. Barry colored it for him. So he did a really lovely job coloring it. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very, so we, so again, these things like the mug, the bookmarks, those are exclusive. We haven't met, we've never sold those before. Um, I've never, sh- uh, um, uh, you can't get the book signed anymore except through, through this, you know, the, the, um, Amazon is not signed if you get mm-hmm. the book. So, you know, we're hoping people take a look, check it out. We got amazing reviews when we came out by the comics community. Um, I really went aggressive since I'm a new guy. I went aggressive to try to make sure we were reviewed. So all of the big players, we have all the quotes on the, the page, including a local, you know, LA Weekly, which is a huge non-comic uh, book, uh, just weekly newspaper out here in LA because we had a launch party at the, uh, a launch event at the American Cinematheque on Hollywood Boulevard. Uh, where they hosted a, a launch of our book, and they screened uh, Christopher Lee in the Horror of Dracula and the old uh, 1950s, 1960s uh, George Powell Time Machine. That's awesome. Movie, and then we did a Q and A in between, and then sold books in the lobby and signed them. So LA Weekly covered it. 
not only covered it, but I had no idea they actually wrote a review of the book, and it was just phenomenal. So from there, we had Comics Beat gave us a great review. A whole bunch of uh, a great media gave us wonderful review. You know, Marvel Comics, um, former senior editor of 15 years, Ralph Macchio gave us uh, a great letter of endorsement. I, I saw that, man. That was uh, that was something else. That, yeah. I mean, if that, 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 that was a letter of praise for sure right there. Yeah, that was... was uh, it was well. It's thrilling for me because I really tried to learn this craft, and um, and it is different from screenwriting. It is different from TV writing and playwriting. So, but it but it calls in all those skills that you have to have, which is economy, which you learn over time. Everybody has an, a certain amount of innate talents for whatever they they um, whatever craft, whatever art form they pursue. Whether they're painters, singers, poets, they have in some sort of innate talent of childhood. And then there's the craft you learn how to then hone your innate gifts to be to be, ideally be better and economy is not something you're born with usually that's something you have to develop and so how do how do i tell what i have to tell and keep the story moving how do i express you know the creativity the imagination without overstaying my welcome and writing scenes that are 20 pages long instead of two so you learn that in screenwriting particularly if you're writing a tv pilot right an hour is an hour and a discussion you can't write you know movies as we know some movies are 80 minutes, some are 180 minutes, mm. but TV is finite. And so same thing with, with the graphic novels. I can't just keep, you know, it, it's a, the, the longer this, this graphic novel gets, the, the more expensive it's going to get to print and so forth. So we still went longer than we intended, but uh, so we finished it at 94 pages. Uh, uh, um, and I cut a lot out of the, the screenplay in order to make it that. Yeah. But when we go on to book two and book three, I kind of have a, I have an even better handle because in the meantime I've worked on two two books with Billy where we had a, a set finite amount of pages. We're we we talking about with she, yeah, with she, yeah. Return of the Warrior, and now Haikyo. We had a set number of pages, and I will tell him if Billy was listening, he, he'd laugh. Uh, the only times it got longer was because Billy wanted it to be longer, not because I did. I was trying <laughs> to be a responsible writer. In fact, he'd go, "You're the only writer I know who doesn't want more pages because you get paid by the page," mm-hmm. and he'd like. I think we got to add a page to this. You know, I think uh, instead of 52, we should go for 54. I think we should go to 56. We finally <laughs> finished at 58. Uh, but it was always Billy's idea to go longer. I said, not, not me. Don't, don't Make sure your wife doesn't get mad at me for making a more expensive book. I didn't do it. So, uh, but it's been a great experience. I've really enjoyed writing uh, comics, graphic novels, and especially someone who, who has had films made and also gone through long, long, multi-year journeys where things haven't been made, at least yet. What's really great about this, and particularly crowdfunding, is you just get to do it. You know, you get to tell yeah. your story. It looks like a, a 40 or $100 million movie, and you'd have to spend 40 or $100 million, and it, the vision is there. Um, you get to work with people you like to work with, and you get it to the audience. And, uh, and I've really been happy with the response we've gotten and also the feedback I've gotten from longtime She fans, because I thought, uh-oh, of the new kid, and they're gonna—I'm gonna somehow piss off all the she fans. But they've—they've they've dug the books, and they—they—they um, they, they bought. You know, they—they they got the first one and liked it. So therefore, they—they they all signed up for the second one, which is going to the printer next next few weeks. It's almost done. The the the, the book is written and drawn. Now it's you know coloring and lettering is being finished up, layout and so forth. But uh, they'll the fans will get it pretty soon after after contributing. I think. Billy does still have, I think, an open store for She Haikyo on, on Indiegogo as well, if people are interested, or, or 
an Indiegogo or a Kickstarter? One of those two. He okay. did both. He did one, then the other. Um, but it's still available uh, for. I think the store is still open on Indiegogo, if I'm not mistaken, for Haikyuu. Uh So yeah, this is a great new world to have have dived into. Well, th- th- that's amazing, and um, you, you've given me. Uh, <laughs> My brain has just been flying a mile a minute as you talk. I have a thousand questions for everything that you said. I mean, and I, I kind of, and I'm going to make it easy on myself and maybe just kind of start at the beginning. You said you and Billy in younger days were going in and out of comic book stores. Um, uh, is this, uh, first off, I got to know what kind of stuff you were picking up. Let's start there. Uh, what, what, what are you reading in the, in the, the beginning days? Well, you know, uh, here's the thing. We would go, you know, just like just like Comic-Con in San Diego. I live in L.A. now, and, and I've been going to Comic-Con in San Diego, not, not to date myself, but since you could walk up and buy a ticket at the door. Okay. Which is not the case anymore. Is anyone no. <laughs> um, so, so I would go to these conventions. Honestly, I would be, when we, and the same thing goes to the creation conventions in Manhattan, I'd, I'd go with my comic book friends, and I'd be the movie guy. I'd be the one who was going to collect movie posters and memorabilia and old issues of Famous Monsters magazine and, and all this stuff that, you know, everyone from, you know, Spielberg to Peter Jackson and all these guys, you know, fell in love with. Rick Baker, the monster makeup design guy. Uh, so I would always ride the train back, and my friends had all these issues of Avengers and X-Men and everything, and I'd go, oh, that's cool, that's cool. And the comics I would buy would be like the movie tie-ins, like Kirby and Kirby's Godzilla. No, no, no. You know, like Red Devil, dinosaur, you know, the dinosaur books and okay. the Godzilla tie-ins and the movie tie-ins. Um, so I, I'm not, you know, if I had Billy sitting next to me on one side or Barry on the other, but, you know, I'd go into the comic, because a lot of the comic shops, especially on Long Island, they're usually all-purpose pop culture memorabilia. There's comics, but there's also movie stuff. Even out here, Golden Apple is the same way. Right. Um, but no, I mean, one of the things that I bring to it is, you know, a, and I just think, I just call it storytelling, but a, but a kind of a, a, a screenwriter's sense of storytelling. And, and what I found, and Billy would tell me this, is that a lot of comics, he says what he likes about working with me and some other writers, is that we keep the, the story going. We know that, that the whole book can't just be an action set piece. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's actually got to be a story. And, and I don't even know how to think other than telling a story. It's just my training. So it's, uh, it's amazing these kind of consistent, you know, fan reviews or whatever saying, wow, it packs a lot of story into 48 pages. In the story. I just think it's just what you're supposed to do. And, and, and I also know when you're doing an action piece, whether it's film or comics, you, you've got to make sure you pace. It can't just all be talking heads. You've got to pace out the visuals and the, and the action set pieces. But to me, it's just telling just telling the story. And I didn't realize that there were, you know, some writers um, um, kind of don't think that way. Maybe some fans who don't 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 aren't, don't need it to be that way. But it's fun to see that they they've seemed to like my style, and I'm sure I'm not the only one writing this way. Uh, so no, I think maybe my my strength is that I'm not a big comics guy. I'm uh, but I'm excited about the medium. Um, and uh, and delivering it, I'll probably become more so now that I'm getting immersed in that world. Oh, it's uh, inevitable. Yes. I mean, well, if the world was open again, yeah. I'd, I'd be out there shopping and buying and picking up more stuff to stay on top of the art form. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but uh, but you know I'm also I also have a career going on where I'm not only help you know writing graphic novels, but I'm also writing and shopping and taking meetings on my my other hat, which is a film and TV writer. So I've been pitching TV pilots and and so forth uh, all throughout pen this pandemic. This is this is the forum by which I. I have my yeah. meetings now, like all of us. So I'll pitch my. The, the one good thing about pitching on Zoom is that I can surreptitiously have my script up on the screen. I don't have to memorize as much. So. Yes. Oh, look at that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah so, it really has easier. made things easier in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah. I mean, less stress, it, there's less stress pitching on Zoom than in person. Um, yeah. Uh, you do have to hold their attention. Um, uh, so you want to make sure. You know, one, one time a guy had it and he couldn't have his camera on. And I'm like, or was it, you know, phone? Or we could just do visual. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, mm. just do audio. You know, to to hear a 10, 12, 15 minute pitch just purely verbal is is not the best thing. You kind of want to have the ability to tell the story, to have eye yes. contact. So, yes. um, but yeah, sorry. So my my first answer is a little bit of a dud. I don't have a lot of comics to talk about. It's okay. <laughs> no, that's okay. See, these are the things uh, that that we want to know. You know, we want to mm. know where all of this is essentially coming from so now you know we can kind of look at this and go all right this guy's got a he's fresh fish he's just learning all this stuff i'm i'm true you know and, you gotta be the dumbest guy in the room when you start something new like when i went into stoker and wells i said well you know like when someone directs their first feature you want to be the only first timer on that set like you don't you want to have like a super experienced director of photography a super experienced producer i want to be the dumb guy and learn and raise to your level. I don't need to have a whole bunch of first timers. So same thing. Barry knew what he was doing. JC knew what he was doing. Billy was always kind of friend of the court to advise. We our, our letterer has just been an award. You know, he's known for so many so many great books. He's lettered. Our colorists were great. Chris Summers. Uh, uh, we split duties between Chris Summers, who's done tons of stuff, and and uh, a great place down from from South America named Studio House. Um, these guys are just solid. Um, they did one half the book was Chris one half the book was uh, was studio house we did that wasn't the plan we did that because we were just falling behind a little bit we wanted to get it to market and oh, to sure. our, our backers so we had two colorists running on, on the two halves of the book but they both did a super a super job yeah I mean I I, I, I want to learn you know I want to I want to learn and my curve between like I I'm not saying I love Stoker and Wells but I might be I might have done it differently now that I've written from scratch a comic book rather than adapt my screenplay to a comic. Yeah. Uh, with with uh, the She books, first we did a, first we did a, an outline, a broad outline, you know, what's going to happen generally in this page batch uh, leading up to set 57, <clears throat> or at that time it was 52. <laughs> uh, and then, um, and then as I, then so then I would write, and once Billy and I agreed on, what we were calling the treatment, which is a film term as well, uh, then I would go off and write, okay, here's the first five pages based on the treatment, get some feedback from Billy, uh, and then just keep keep moving forward, always forcing myself to do it in the amount of pages I said I'd do it, you know, and, and if, and, but not sacrificing. If I really felt, Billy, we really should take another page for this or another half page for this, you know, I, I would suggest it. But otherwise, I think we were able to keep everything pretty tight it was really only when I underestimated the the power of the visual, where rather than something being the last panel on on a page, that Billy was like, you know what? I think we should just 
move that to like the top half of the next page. It'll pop more. So, um, so yeah, we would do things like that. And then the story that therefore the page count would shift a little bit, but, um, but yeah, it was a lot of, it's been, it's been fun learning this language, you know, and now it, now it's making me love comics and graphic novels more than I ever have because my whole world, my whole mind is all about movies, movies, movies. So now I am excited to dig into what's out there. I, I, I funded, you know, I, I backed a whole bunch of campaigns. I got a whole bunch of stuff to read. So, awesome. uh, uh, awesome. and associates and, and people. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, do you, uh, do, do you, what do you find yourself trying to like what kind of kickstarters and stuff do you find yourself uh gravitating towards now when it comes to comics as far as genre goes uh, are you are you staying inside you know your, your your realm or are you going outside to the fantastical superhero stuff or what what are you what are you checking out uh, i find out? myself i find myself beyond the friends and and associates who i want to back their work mm -hmm. so that's whatever they're doing i'll back Right. I find myself leaning very much like every like one's taste goes in in anything they pick up books, what movies they watch, what TV shows. So my tastes, I find I, I do love uh, historical mashups. I love the supernatural. I'm a huge horror. I mean, right behind me, you see all my. He's a, I'm a huge poster collector. See, this is what I'm getting to. <laughs> this is what I'm working at. I'm noticing yeah. the the. The classic horror stuff, and you know, yeah. I, I'm noticing the type of stuff that you're choosing to write about, and I, 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 I have a, a good idea of what I can imagine coming out of you in the next few years, just based off of the the little bit that I've seen, and uh, that, so like, yeah, I mean, I've I've, I've enjoyed this, yeah, but well, it, just like movies, if if it's if 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 I feel like I've seen it before and. And however it is being presented to me is not exciting, you know. I, you know, if I watch a trailer for a horror movie and I go, "Yeah, been there, been there, done that," they haven't sold me that they're taking a fresh take or an interesting point of view. They're just trying to copy yesterday's success or someone else's successful movie. That'll hold true for a graphic novel or comic. Yeah. You know, if I if I see if in my mind I'm defining as ah, this is just a, a knockoff of another superhero or a knock because they just think I'll eat up anything. No, I'm not interested. But if somebody, uh, if, if someone trusted, tells me, no, 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 you've got to read this, you've got to watch this. I, li I like, uh, you know, I, I, um, Ryland, uh, uh, who obviously introduced us. I like the world that he's in, kind of uh, uh, neo-noir. Yeah. I like that whole look, because I think the, the art form contributes to it. You know, film noir of, of the uh, originated late 40s into the early 50s. It's post-World War II. There's a lot of cynicism. Uh, it's sort of America had lost its innocence. And uh, we were starting, you know, the, the, the horrors and atrocities. Men came home, you know, having seen stuff they never wanted to see. And, uh, and so it's, and then it's visually influenced by German expressionism, deep shadows, high, you know, those kind. Whenever we see these dramatic angles in, in graphic novels and comics, from the floor looking up, high angles. What this stuff is very much influenced by German expressionism, which found its way into movies, and uh, and and we find a lot of, as we know, so many great great uh, pencilers and, and anchors are great movie fans, and they they they're uh, about co composing the image comes comes from um, their study of of not only fine art and other comics, but but of cinema, and so. You know, uh, I, I think the uh, 
particularly the the the, the inking is really exciting in uh, in um, in uh, neo noirs and film noir and crime and crime stuff. So so I'm I've been I've been uh, collecting a stack of stuff. I'm excited to go through. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm big on indies because I'm an indie. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the stuff you're reading? Oh man, I uh, it's it's Wednesday. I came home with a, another nasty thick stack. Um, I I wish I could reach. I well, I might be able to reach without unplugging. Well, uh, where are you right now? Where are we talking from? I'm in Denver. Okay. Yeah, I'm in Denver. This is what I came home with just this week. This is my new comic, <laughs> and this is without DC books because my shop got uh, is having a little thing with DC. So I have about 45 DC books on back order right now. Wow. But yeah, no, that's uh, I'm I really am a uh, I'm a heavy reader. I I, uh, I I love this stuff, man. But when it comes to indies, ask me what indies I'm reading. I mean. What am I not? A, it's a, you gotta shoot me an email with re- with recommendations based oh, on your hunches about me. I absolutely. Oh yeah. man, you know that's gonna be a fun email to put together too. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I, I, I Denver, by the way, I I was I was there once. My film uh, I directed, my first feature I directed, had its uh, premiere at the the Stars Denver Film Festival. Yeah. So it was love. It's a lovely town. I love it. It's uh, I love its sense of history and it's it's uh, it's a lot cooler than i i was i thought i'm just going for a film festival it's like wow this is a cool cool little downtown to walk around and a historic it's got its history to it and uh, i enjoyed it I enjoyed yeah that. yeah no i mean uh time has taken its toll as you know uh, most uh most larger cities of doing but uh, you know but I, but I still i still see it's uh it's shine Mm-hmm. You know, as, as as a native, for sure. I mean, I I love it here. It's it's going to be really hard to drag me out. I, this is this is home. I mean, the world's largest comic book store is here. You know, oh, wow. What's that called? Mile High Comics. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. see those guys that uh, they're they're in San Diego all the time. Yeah. Well, they, they were. Chuck isn't doing that in San Diego so much anymore. But okay. I mean, they they're. I mean, Mile High. I mean, they've been in the back of the magazines since the '80s. Yeah. So. Oh. Yeah, man. And I'm lucky enough to say that. Yeah, it's, where i get my books from I, i'm uh-huh. in there three times a week so that's uh what wow. yeah so because of that i've got an abundance of stuff to read and um uh man i can't wait to give you some recommendations man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'd, loving... like get, I'd love to get my but i'd love to send a couple copies if uh, maybe we could figure out how to get how to get a few copies on the shelf at mile high Oh yeah, I, I bet you I could put you in touch with some people. I think I know some people there. Yeah, I mean that's one of the things when you're an independent, and if you don't, you know, I, I've, I've yet to reach out for dis- a distributor. You know how to, and just before COVID hit, you know, like I said, the book came out in the fall. The fall, the, the, I mean, like literally, uh, uh, Halloween. Then, then, so November, December, it's the holidays. We were fulfilling all of our Kickstarter, and then as the new year came, I started to do outreach about s- local signings in LA. And, uh, and I d- did one at, at, uh, at Golden Apple here, which is big in, in Hollywood. And I just started lining up all these others starting in March. Mm-hmm. And then, <laughs> and so I, so this is going to be our, this was supposed to be our first year going to cons with the book. And we were going to go, you know, we would have been at every convention with it. We would have been. Uh, uh, I would have gone to to, to stores in, in the in Southern California signing. Anytime I went to conventions, maybe go to the, the stores. But that all just got totally put on on hold. So we haven't been able to really get out there in, in the faces of the people, except by this beautiful creature called our our MacBooks and our laptops. You know. Yeah, yeah. And, that's and shows like yours. So I thank you for 
for doing this and all you guys for carrying the torch and getting the word out, you know? Well, I mean, we're, we're, <laughs> it's the sacrifice that we really have to make, I guess, to make sure that comics are continuing to be created is not having cons this year. You know, I mean, it's, uh, it, it sucks. It really, really sucks. We got to do all this through Zoom. I'd much rather just wait in the line and catch you when you're in Denver and, you know, <laughs> meet you early with my press pass I'd, I'd much rather do that um i i was really looking forward to doing that this year you know it's kind of a yeah. fresh new podcast the first year i was just kind of getting my feet wet and i thought man the second year is going to be killer i'm going to get so many live interviews i'm going to travel <laughs> the country and this is no right no so i i feel your pain i mean not nearly on the same level i mean you you're you're putting out uh i mean an amazing piece of art, this, what, what, what you're doing. I mean, this is, uh, I, you know, I want to talk about that a little more too. Your, uh, your, your, your taste and what you decided to do for your first graphic novel, choosing these two just yeah. entities of creators and deciding, yeah, let's, let's make a story out of it. Um, are these, uh, are these writers, I mean, I, I would assume that these are writers that you, uh, are, are familiar with their work. Yeah, well, yeah, the way this came about was I'm, you know, I was looking to, uh, I was at a point where I had written some things, things were out there, and it was like, well, what am I going to work on next? And what's my next spec feature going to be? Spec means, you know, you write, it's speculative, you're, no one's paying you to write it. Rather than pitching it and sh pitching something to try to get someone to pay you, you, you write it on your own. So <clears throat> I started, I was, for some reason I was hankering, really getting a hankering to write something big because I've written, uh, I, I wrote um, a film about a murder on William Randolph's, uh, William Randolph Hearst's yacht in 1924 that was, that there's still mystery about whether it happened called The Cat's Meow, Kirsten Dunst, who was in the Spider-Man movies as Mary Jane, the first Spider-Man movies. Um, she starred in it as Marion Davies uh, Lionsgate put it out. I sold some pilots. I've worked, but I never worked anything big. And I just started thinking, I want to have one of those, what they call four quadrant ideas, which is that it's a movie that not only the kids want to see, but the teenagers want to see, and their parents want to see it, even their grandparents want to see. Example okay. of this, like the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes or the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Mm -hmm. Big movies, but but every the Jurassic Park movies, everybody wants to see it's not limited to some little, some, some particular age range. And certainly now the Marvel and DC movies are filling that. Mm -hmm. So, I, but particularly I was thinking my niche is more the Robert Downey Jr. or the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean movies. So I started thinking about, for some reason I just got in my head historical fiction, a mashup with, with, um, with uh, authors of, of the fantastic and having a secret event that inspired them. So I just started doing research on authors, and I'd look up Mary Shelley, Frankenstein, and, and Robert Lee Stevenson, Dr. Jekyll, and Mr. Hyde, and in terms of what, you know, what are their ages, and I knew I wanted two. I didn't want just one running around. I said that I want to kind of do it, these kind of writers, but, but, but in, a, in an arena that's almost like watching a Lethal Weapon movie, you know, where it's okay. just, the, where they're, where it's the buddy, a buddy film, but with very literary characters. And so that also means you want to find, you don't want two who are copies of each other because, right. because one of the great things, one of the things about all, as they call buddy movies, buddy films, works of literature, TV shows or movies, 
it's, they, they always have to be different. Otherwise, there's no conflict. And from conflict comes drama, comedy, everything. So if they're just two guys who think the same, you're not going to really have that, that good a time. Right. So when I saw that Wells was in his late 20s, divorced, smart, but couldn't quite get his act together, going from one, had, had, had a degree as a pharmacist, all these different degrees, but... You know, but he really was—he was a draper's assistant. He was just doing all this stuff, just and and um, and just just being a little bit of a playboy around town. And then I thought, uh, and, and he's the one who ultimately, you know, atheist, and not, I don't believe in, you know, a, you know, what, this this myth, this fairy tale of God. Then you couple that with when I saw that, okay. Abraham Stoker at the same time was in London. He's Irish, but he was in London. He'd been the manager of the Lyceum Theater for about 15 years at that point. Okay. And uh, came from a very strict conservative family. Three generations of civil servants, uh, churchgoers. Um, he didn't feel like it was okay to be an artist because three generations of his first book was a, was a guide about how to be a, a, a good civil servant. Um, but there was that part of him that wanted to be a creative writer, and and he would write. Uh, he would go to the theater. Write. He, he got to. He was a theater reviewer, part time. He couldn't make a living, and that's what. Uh, and he wrote a review of uh, of a great British uh, a London, uh, English actor named Henry Irving had done Shakespeare in Dublin. He wrote a great review. Henry Irving said, "Who became Sir Henry Irving?" That's how big he was. Said, "Young man, why don't you come back to London?" Uh, manage my theater and stop doing this ridiculous work that you do. And so here's this meticulous guy, theater manager, always scribbling, never publishing, um, <clears throat> not seriously. I thought these would be two cool guys to meet and to learn from each other, to fill in strengths where the other one has a weakness. If, if Wells is all over the place and wants to run headfirst into danger, Stoker is the caution. But at the same time, Wells can help push Stoker to 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 get to to be his better self and to lean into his imagination. Stoker can help corral uh, Wells's scattershot um, uh, sense of excitement and focus. So, so these two men I put together under a circumstance, uh, you know, based on who they were. I love do I love doing the research, reading their biographies, um, and as I say, really, what the book is, it's you know, it's the absolutely true story of Bram Stoker and H.G. Wells, give or take forty-eight hours, because in those forty-eight <laughs> hours is where I made everything up. So, uh, uh, in fact, there's no real record, even though they were both writers, both in London, of any of them having any real uh, interaction or relationship, which made it all the more perfect to give them a secret friendship. Um, so, in fact, I, I get so immersed in it sometimes I forget that this didn't happen this way, uh, <laughs> which is kind of fun. Well, it almost feels like it should have happened now that you've pitched it, you know? It, it really does feel like you're just giving us a history lesson, yeah. you know? And uh, I, man, I, I didn't know what I was getting into, and then I started reading, uh, like you said, uh, Machio's comments and things yeah. like that before I actually, you know, yeah. cracked the book open. Well, at least the digital copy, yeah. and uh, I, I, I knew right then and there this this, but this should be at least a little funny, 
yeah. you know it's not gonna and uh, that's that's what it's yeah. turning out to be man it's not just this uh well these guys did some stuff and then dracula or uh, yeah dracula and the time machine no 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 you're actually turning this into like you said a buddy cop type of thing and any good buddy cop is gonna have some laughs man yeah so. definitely there's a lot of humor in it very natural not 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 you know not not jokes per se but they're 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 because like I said, you know, I also teach. I teach film and TV writing. And I tell people without conflict, you don't have drama, but you also don't have comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's where comedy comes from. Two different, not necessarily conflict doesn't mean fighting. It means different styles, different points of view, different points of attack on on whatever the problem is in front of you. That that that's where comedy comes from. That's where drama comes from. And so, so these characters were naturals uh, for humor. And uh, so it was a lot of fun to write it. I, you know, it's 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 not forced into humor. It's not like uh, you'd find it on the comedy shelf at the at, at the store. Um, it's it's a sci-fi, fantasy, horror, adventure, probably first. But um, but just like the Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes have humor. You know, mm-hmm. they can't help but have humor. Same thing. Even the Marvel films, they have humor. Yeah. Even even the ones that aren't overtly funny. Like uh, when they've steered specifically into comedy, you know, even the even the Avengers films have tons of humor, and it's just it's just a, a natural part of the storytelling. So yeah, it was so so. I once I once I arrived on those two guys, then I just threw myself into um, uh, rereading and uh, in a digital so I could mark it all up. Dracula and Time Machine. I was amazed at the similarities that there were things I could connect the dots and create a shared experience. That one mind might create this female lead in the time machine, but but Stoker would take that same female uh, Weena in our story and uh, turn her into um, I'm sorry Nina in our story. Uh, for example, uh, so we have an Eloy, which is a character, a race of uh, almost Hobbit-like people in in the, in the time machine. They're not quite big, feeted and footed and all that, okay. but um, they're just smaller versions of humans. Uh, more androgynous looking between men and women. So I called her Nina. And at the, at the end, when they split the spoils of war, they both want to use her in their respective books. They say, okay, both of us can use her, but none of us, neither of us can call her Nina. So Wells is going to call her Weena, which is the name of the Eloy character in, his, in the time machine. And Bram calls her Mina, which is Mina Harker in, uh, in Dracula. And they have a lot of the same heroin qualities. Uh, so I, I, when I started reading, I was like, "Oh my God, this is this will so work." And uh, and even the Morlock character, who's named Ren, again, will become a different character in Dracula in terms of the role he serves, which is similar to Renfield in uh, in Dracula. So it's a, so it kind of worked very organically um, as I went through. It almost said, "Oh, you picked these two. Now I'm going to open," you know. The creative god said, here it all is. You picked the right two. You know, now here's your prize. Just read Dracula and the Time Machine, and the story writes itself. So it's been, it was fun. I just, once I connected to those two guys, that was it. That's where the inspiration came. I, I, I'm, I've been trying to think of who better to put together. And I, I really do think that you funneled it down to the, 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 the right the, the the right characters to to bring together, especially the fact they were alive during the certain you know the same yeah. time, and that's mm-hmm. it's it's too perfect. It, like and I said, different it. generations, which I like too. I like having yes. a, a just like in any time right now, a twenty something guy in his late twenties is different than a guy in his mid forties. Yep, and uh, and uh, one can learn from the other, and vice versa. So, 
So it was fun that they're from two different generations. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's a couple of OK Boomer jokes, you know, right. sprinkled in there in their own way. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, Absolutely. man. This is awesome. Um, so what what made you land on uh, 94 pages um, as far as, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, is, was did it start at 80 and get pushed to 94? Well, I turned to my, you know, my editor who I showed the, read the screenplay. He's also a screenwriter. Okay. And I said, what do you think I'll be able to, because when we launched the Kickstarter, I had not done the adaptation. And he said, yeah, I think, you know, a good number, I think it, I think it was like 57. Oh, shit. <laughs> and I started, and I was, I was editing, and I was cutting stuff out, and then he was editing, cutting stuff out. And, and finally, like, JC, we're not going to get to 57. I mean, I'm doing, I said, uh, he said, you know what, I think we should just write it. And, and it was starting to feel like it was going to be 90. And we just said, you know what, we'll, the, we'll find the money. We'll find the money. We're not. We're not going to let down the people who pledge. They're just going to get a bigger book. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happened was, as we got to the finish line, we did a second Kickstarter in nine in in summer, early fall nineteen, for a smaller amount, which was literally the hard cost of jumping from fifty seven. It wasn't any additional fees or salaries to anybody. It was just the hard cost. Going from fifty-seven to ninety-four pages, and uh, and and we and we said everybody who pledged before, whether we make this Kickstarter or not, we will still honor your thing. We're just going to pull from um, any salaries, anyone, any you know fees we pay to 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 the artists. We're going to pull from our our um, uh, uh, what's it called. Uh, I'm losing what that's called. Anyway, the uh, the contingency, like I think I budgeted five percent contingency in there, which is just unforeseen things. Um, and also, we would have to have pulled for marketing because that that's a that's an out there cost. Mm-hmm. So we would have to have used that to to pay for the book. So fortunately, we did. We raised that extra. I don't know what it was, six grand or something, to 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 bump it up in pages for printing. So fortunately, we got it. We raised that, and then the book was. Uh, what did it wind up ultimately coming in at? Came, and I uh, came in at 90, 94 pages. And you asked why, and I said, here's here's one of the good things of being an outsider. I turned to Billy, I turned to JC, I turned to Barry, I said, why aren't the pages numbered on graphic novels? I mean, you know how annoying that is to say, to try to talk to someone about the page number something happened on and it's not there? Uh-huh. I said, it's, I'm writing a book based on two novelists. So we have at the bottom of every page, we have the page number there, unless unless it's a page that that has no border, in which case I don't I don't know if we had any in this. No, all of our pages have a white border. So um, if it didn't, yeah, we wouldn't have had a page number there. But you know, if if we're going to call these things graphic novels, you know, I understand a thirty-two page uh, saw uh, um, a comic. That's that's okay with me. It's a different medium. But once you start call, having something with a with a firm binding and it's on a shelf and it's got, it's like find a place. If, if there's a place for a page number, put it in there. You know. I agree. I I, I hope that you, you you're gonna start a trend. Uh, <laughs> I, I really do because it's it's infuriating for someone like myself. <laughs> it, it is. So I'm glad yeah. that I'm not a psychopath and I'm not the only one biting my lip when I can't well, know it. To, no one no one could actually argue. And I'm, I was happy to be explained why. You know, someone to tell me, 
Well, Steve, that's very, but see, the fans this and that's that. And we, you know, it's been a big discussion in the comic book. Really, the general reaction I got from everyone was, oh, page numbers. You know, that's basically where it, you know, <laughs> you know, no one really thought about it because it's just been the history of comics is yeah. no page numbers. And, uh, and then when we grew into graphic novels, I'm sure I'm not the first person who put page numbers in there, but, um, but I, and, and I never really talked to, to Billy about it with regards to she. I think I'll leave him alone. He's already got it's it's working. He doesn't need me to fix anything. Um, uh, so, uh, but I would I, I do like having the page numbers in there, particularly because it's two authors, you know, uh, yeah. as characters. And they'd yeah. be pissed if I didn't put page numbers. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, no matter what the purists say, you could you could throw that out there. Yeah. Well, Wells and Stoker would be rolling around <laughs> in their grave. Um, no, I I like that, and uh, I I think ninety four pages is a good solid story, man. Uh, I, I I really do. You know, it's what, five and a half issues, six issues yeah. almost. So yeah. yeah, no, I mean, why why not? Uh, to me, that's the perfect story arc. Is six mm -hmm. issues. So. Yeah. And and it really looks good on the shelf that big too, you yes, know, because uh, yeah. you get to actually see the binding and the all all the work that the you know the the, the cover artist spilled into the spine and yeah. uh, no, I, I I like that. I think that's a good solid size. And uh, so, what's the uh, what's the price point on this book? The price point is um, it is right now on Indiegogo for sixteen bucks. Oh, gee, that, that's a steal, man! Yeah, twenty percent off of the cover price of nineteen ninety nine. Um, so, and that's just on Indiegogo right now. It's still nineteen ninety nine on on uh, on Amazon. So, and again, on Amazon they don't come signed. So, any anybody who buys on Indiegogo, it'll be signed by me. If Barry lived in in Hollywood, it would be signed by Barry too. Mm -hmm. He's on the other side of the country, so um, if you, if you ever make it to New York or you you reach out to Barry York, and I'm sure he'd be happy to sign it. He will be at conventions to countersign. Um, we do have a signed uh, piece of artwork by Barry. We have this as an 11 by 17. We're shipping flat. Each one uh, uh, letter uh, numbered one through 60. Only 60. Oh wow! Uh, with the writing on it, and all signed, hand, uh, all signed by Barry. So it's a really lovely piece of art on the Indiegogo um, of our heroine, as drawn, colored, inked, and colored by Barry. Limited edition of sixty, um, signed by him. So that we do have a signed uh, something signed by Barry on our on our on our uh, Indiegogo campaign. You know, at one point we'll try to if the Indiegogo doesn't roll into um, in demand. We'll find some other way. I know Ryland has done that. Um, he's rolled into in demand, so I know it's. I'm not mm -hmm. inventing the wheel here. I'll just do it. But I think we have already qualified. So I have a feeling that once Saturday comes and goes, I'll find out. Congratulations, you are now in demand, and it'll just still be there. Gotcha. Um, but uh, I, when and until then, we're advertising it as a 72 hours left. You know, 48 hours left. 24. So. Yep. Uh, uh, and then we'll just be back to the higher. But that's the price point. You know, you know. I know people sell ninety-four page books. It's, it's highly, it's it's incredibly well made. It's not print on demand. This is a, a, a solid book. America printed it, printed here in the U.S. Uh, and I know books like this can go for twenty-four ninety-five, whatever. Easily. So, yeah, we just wanted to give the Indiegogo people a, a, an incentive to make it special for them, and it paid off. I have to say, we launched, I think, uh, we with a, a modest two thousand dollar. A goal which which we satisfied in the first forty eight hours. So people bought 
were really buying the book. So I'm thrilled. They bought mine. They bought. Um, ooh, are we frozen? No, we're, I'm here. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought. No, I thought, I'm no, 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 no. I'm. Uh, I, I. I might be frozen in awe, but no, I'm, I'm still very here. I'm. Um. <laughs> no, it's so. It's been a great experience, and I. I've, I keep thanking Billy. I said, "You're right, Billy. They. You. You. Indiegogo has their own shoppers, and Billy has found that out. Launching she, because um, he. He only got into. He got into the crowdfunding game a few uh, after me. I did crowdfunding before Billy did. Uh, so many friends were doing successfully, and a lot of huge comic book guys he knew were saying, "Dude, step away from traditional publishing. Go back to your roots of indie publishing." Uh, except there's a new way to indie publish it. It's called Kickstarter and Indiegogo, yeah. and uh, and he knows so many huge guys who were at DC and Marvel who are now making. A, they put a book up and a quarter of a million bucks they raise in in 30 days. It's, no it's crazy. Man, not getting. They're not getting um, uh, nickel and dimed, and and. And you know, getting low, low rates. Um, There's no middleman. I yeah. mean, that, that's really the big thing, the most important yeah. thing for creators. Because you, you get into comics, and whether you realize it, there's no money in it. So anything right. that you can make, you know, yeah. it's that's great. And not having to go through uh, another another publisher. Yeah, no, that's no money for them means more money for you. And yep. the, the the coolest thing to me that I find about um, crowdfunding is the 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 fans speak for itself. You know that people want it because they're giving you money. It's yeah, not something yeah. where you put it out there and then just hope that next Wednesday when it goes to the shelf, it's 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 still the same amount of book. No, that's not what yeah. you want. So knowing that it's they want it, they're going to enjoy it, they're going to read it, they've already invested in it. That to me, I I, I really think it is the I hate to say it. Uh, but I think it's the best way to put out a comic now is through Kickstarter. You know, yeah. I love the publishers. Don't get and yeah. indie publishers are great as well. But as for the sake of the creator, which is really the whole reason I do this podcast, is for the mm-hmm. sake of the creator. Um, mm-hmm. Then yeah, no, I mean you guys got to eat. So well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and yeah, yeah. What's 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 um, I, I heard a statistic because I did a lot of research when I started my Kickstarter because I don't have a, the kind of fan base that Billy and a lot of these other guys already have a huge fan base when they launch a book. So I was trying to um, find out about Kickstarter and, and, you know, do's and don'ts and all this. And I heard an interesting stat, which was if a publisher is defined as the entity that provides the financing to, to create a book and get it to market, then Kickstarter is like the sixth largest publisher in the world, you know, because because so many people are bringing books. It's one of the things that has, uh, is one of the major things, books, comic books, uh, self-publishing um, uh, is, is, is a huge part of it. And like you said, it's just you talking to the fans. They, they finance it. You send it to them. I always said, you know, Kickstarter, crowdfunding is sort of what unites economically right, right wing and left wing. You know, mm-hmm. it's somehow both socialism and pure capitalism all mm-hmm. the, you know all at the same time you know it's like you just bring it to the market the market tells you you give it to them but also it's collective you know it's our we collectively help you create your your work you know <laughs> so it's like it's like it's satis- it's it's kind of this one great thing that unites you know everybody's way of thinking about how the world should work it you know? really so, is a beautiful thing man it's it, it's yeah. crazy to think that not long ago i mean 
not maybe two years ago. You know, if you say, "Well, I got a comic coming out," and someone asked, "Well, where's it coming from?" You'd say Kickstarter. You know, oh, well, well, you didn't you didn't get it through a publisher. That's right. that that is not the thing anymore, yeah. now, man. Yeah. That, that, it, yeah. it really isn't. Now it's almost like, oh, you poor thing, <laughs> you're yeah. you're you're under the strings of so and so now. Like, it sucks, right. man. Uh, if no. they don't market for you, you're fucked. And that's yep. that's the biggest thing is you hand them over your IP. And they don't market, then your, your, your creation, whether they realize it or not, it's just sitting there. And they own yeah. it, and you can't do anything with it. And that's scary, no, if you man. Have really, if you have really nice, if you have really cool creators who are running their, these campaigns, they wind up paying their respective team better page rates than <laughs> Marvel or DC. Yeah. Because Marvel or DC is sitting there saying, you have the luxury of being with Marvel and DC. You know, we got to eat too, the executives, and they do. I, I'm not even taking that away from them. But suddenly a creator goes, I can do everything, and I can run the shop. And you've got a guy named Brian, like Brian Polito, who raises mm-hmm. like a million bucks every time he puts out Lady Death. Yeah. Like, got a, he's, he's basically opened a business. You know, yep. he has a staff of full-time people, uh, but he owes exactly the number of people he needs. There's no fat. So this, therefore, he's making a good living. They're making a good living. The fans are getting it. He he makes so much that when he launches uh, an Indiegogo or Kickstarter, the book's ready to ship. Mm-hmm. And that's what's what Billy's trying to get into because there's uh, when he because uh, with Return of the Warrior, which was she's comeback after after uh, 15 years, um, the book wasn't ready to ship, and then we funded it. But then he said, let's take the, the little bit extra that there is in the Return of the Warrior. Let's start while we're fulfilling Return of the Warrior and it's being printed. Let's get started on book two. Let's start getting on, on Haikyo so that when we launch Kickstarter and Indiegogo, we could t- it's not going to be six months till it ships. It's going to be six weeks, three weeks, four weeks. And that's what we're doing. So the book is almost ready to ship. We just closed the Indiegogo. I think Kickstarter closes this weekend. Um, and then the book's going to the printer. So it isn't, so the money, um, is a huge part of what he needs to, for the printing, because that's a huge part and shipping and packaging and all of that. And, you know, so, so yeah, it's an interesting system. It's an interesting system, right? I think that what, what it is, is the, 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 uh, the media that covers comics needs to get in that business too, and needs to support indies and needs to think of Kickstarter and, um, uh, Kickstarter and Indiegogo as independent books, um, because you know I got I got more press than some more experienced guys. Because one of the things they have to do is be as aggressive. I just got I was really aggressive, you know, of going after them and 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 then when I get a good review, I'd shove it in their faces and you know you've got to cover this and uh, and they will. They just got so much stuff in front of them that unless you're as aggressive as DC and Marvel is to get their books covered or Dark Horse or whoever, they're not going to cover your indie. So you can't just send them one little email, press release, Kickstarter, Indiegogo. It'll just get pushed aside. You've got to be in their face if you want them to cover you, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the DC and Marvel people, that's part of why, it's part of what you're paying for, part of yeah. what you're giving them your, your cut uh, so that they can have a PR machine that gets your book out there and so forth. So, you yeah. know, like you said, there's nothing... It's not that they're bad, um, they're good, They just. but in the end, the, the artist can make more money by 
going straight to the fans. You know? Yeah, and right now, unfortunately, that's just kind of a sacrifice you have to make. Do you want money and not have the Marvel Marvel sticker on you, or do you want to just have that that Donny Cates type of fame and uh, really have to push out six hundred pages a month to be able to make ends meet because mm-hmm. your you, your cut is absolutely nothing. You're famous, but you're broke. Yeah. Um, and that's uh, that, that that's that's kind of what it is, but it's not gonna be long before with Kickstarter you're famous and you're you, you got some money in the bank you're eating yeah. Yeah. and that, that's yeah. that's why I've been pushing so many Kickstarter campaigns. I try to jump on you know anybody that reaches out to me I, I, I do my best just because I know I, I, I want to see Kickstarter change comics. I do. It's been the same formula for so long with COVID this year things got shooken up. And I kind of thought that maybe, you know, the DC swept the leg a little bit and uh, things might, you know, be kind of dramatic this year and mm-hmm. seemed to have leveled off. But then it kind of scared me when I realized like, it, it just went right back to the way it was. This was an opportunity for growth. And yes, yes uh, some can argue that it did grow with DC going off and doing Lunar and all of that stuff. But uh, some can also argue that it didn't at the same mm-hmm. time but with kickstarter it, it's it, you can't argue that it, it's right there it's it's expanding in a way people are the 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 the, the stretch goals and everything is something you're not going to get out of a f- previous book mm-hmm. you know i mean the, the the most you might get is an incentive you know order 25 of these books and yeah you can get this one in 25 incentive variant but uh, Kickstarter is not making you push like that to get these amazing perks, man. I don't have to dump a whole lot of money at all into these, and I have a whole short box of Kickstarter goodies that aren't the comics. It's yeah, just yeah. all the cool stuff that I've accumulated, you know? Yeah. I mean, everything from stickers to the hotel keychains. It's just it's yeah. another f- way for creators to show their creativity. Like, yeah, I yeah. could write comics, but I could also come up with some pretty cool marketing shit as yeah. well. Yeah, uh, it's it's just next level stuff with Kickstarter. So I, yeah, I that's, yeah, it lets you do your merchandising and create merchandising ideas. Because I thought, well, if I'm part of what we're doing is trying to make, you know, the the subtext of this is also I want to make the idea of being a writer cool to kids because mm-hmm. this book could be read by kids. Um, uh, that it could be that that, it, that that not only are writers cool, but writing is cool, and so and reading is cool. And and if it inspires someone to read more books by H. G. Wells or Bram Stoker, that's why I thought well, bookmarks would be kind of fun, as 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 something to uh, to to create. So yeah, we, Barry designed these. We put we pulled images from the book, and uh, created what what the uh, so I was I was involved with him in the design of them that he 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 delivered, and that's where his background. Uh, in in working, he's done a lot of merchandise stuff. Like he's been a part of he's a part of a company that, you know, when Superman Returns comes out or when a Transformer movie comes out or whatever, there he's the one who has to take all this design stuff and figure out how do we make kids pajamas out of it? How do we put it onto oh, a backpack? Wow. How do we put it onto a jacket? So he's doing all of that st- style guides they call them. Okay, he's creating style guides uh, and 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 having to do redraws. Of stuff to facilitate it. So when I say Barry, do a bookmark, do a coffee mug, he's like, "Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. I got it." <laughs> so he's able to use that side of his brain to deliver it, and uh, and so uh, yeah, it, it is fun. It is fun to to create this stuff, 
and maybe COVID in a weird way because people like community. You know, they like the community of, of the bookstore, of the comic book shop, and the conventions. And so now this becomes our community. You know, and so it's it's helped give rise to, or, or further encouragement to uh, the crowdfunding because there's no crowds in person pretty much at the moment. So this is the crowd. Um, so it's kind of fun. It's been fun to be a, a part of it. Um, it certainly hasn't hindered uh, people who like to spend on comic books, whatever way that their income has suffered over COVID. And of course, my heart goes out to anybody. They still seem to have t room because they want to be happy. They want to be entertained. There's, there's, there's enough stress and tension that's gone on in this country yes. and in their experience of being in this country, no matter where you sit politically, it's been stressful. Um, the things you like give you peace and give you happiness. And, and uh, you know, this whole notion that artists are, are, are not, um, what's that term that, that's necessary? Uh, what's that, you know? Uh, uh. <laughs> Uh, it's like you're kidding me. No one I know has survived without Netflix. Nobody I know has survived yeah. without reading. Nobody I know has survived without the art and entertainment that makes our lives uh, helpful now that so many of us are homebound. So people are finding the room in uh, and and in their budgeting to say, yeah, I still want to buy that comic. I still want to buy that graphic novel. I, I could speak firsthand for that as somebody that actually has a uh, a, a business where you know I I, I sell comics. And I started it right before COVID hit. And immediately I thought, well, March hit. I was like, well, that was fun. That was a fun idea. We'll, we'll, we'll see. And I'll be damned if it didn't explode. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, it was it's a level I never expected. And every day I'm like, it's just any day now. People are going to stop spending money yeah. uh, on comics. And no, it's, in, it's incredible how yeah. people just – not just uh, people getting back into it uh, or, you know, that, you know, found extra time and dug out their old collection. I mean, it's things like that, but it's just new people, too, at the same time. A brand yeah. new people. I've, I've sold so many people their first comic book th yeah. th this last year, and uh, it's it's amazing. So, yes, no, people will find a way, and um, I... I I, I, I can also speak firsthand as somebody that, you know, can speak testament to comics really being that escape, you know, uh, and that the, the, the escape changed my life. It put me on an entirely different direction. I'm not going to get into all of that, but mm -hmm. um, it's, uh, it, it really is. It, it can change your goddamn life. Yeah. Uh, just picking up a comic for the first time or writing a comic for the first time. I mean, it, you, you, you wait and see, man. You're, you you got your first graphic novel out there and you've done <laughs> She. It's, you're, it's, it's just a matter of time before you're like, ah, this movie shit's for the birds, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there are a lot. I know there are a lot, a lot who have done that. A lot who have done that. And, and you know, because it is – we have learned this craft and, and, you know, features are becoming harder and harder. Um, uh to get done, television is more receptive to new ideas, but nothing's easy in this industry of film and TV. Ryland put that in great perspective when he comes on, um, and he talks about the box that you're in in Hollywood. You know, there's mm -hmm. so many cool ideas, but Hollywood won't do 95% of them yeah. because it's got to be the the thing at this time. Uh, and, I mean, graphic novels, there's there's no one on Kickstarter going, oh, no, 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 we can't do H.G. Wells <laughs> and Prom Stoker. That is, that's, no, 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 no. Uh, that, and that's, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, no, uh, and uh, because of that, I find that, 
more more people from the movie and film industry are starting to realize, hey man, I can I have all of these great ideas and I, I just want to get them out there. And I as a reader, I want to experience a new form of artist trying to tell the the type of story that I love. Like um, I remember R. L. Stein did mm-hmm. a uh, a Man Thing book with Marvel. You know R. L. Stein. I, I, I the first book I ever finished in my life was Night of the Living Dummy by R.L. Stein in first grade. <laughs> so the, the the man has my heart. So he comes in and, you know, he's going to, I'm going to do a comic. And I, I read the hell out of that man thing comic. And I got, I have never read a comic like this before in my life. This is so weird. I love it, but it's so weird. And then it was canceled and everyone shit all over. I'm like, why? Because it wasn't the Captain America that you read right before that. This is different. Different is good. This is, this was amazing art to me. And yes, it was kind of campy. He chose a man thing story and made it kind of goofy. But at the same time, I mean, this is R.L. Stein, man. Like this is what he does. And he he brought his, his form into comics and Mm -hmm. it it wasn't accepted in the mainstream. And it, it, it drove me nuts. And, seeing more and more people like you and Ryland and so many people coming from uh, just a different medium, whether it's film or novels or whatever, and saying, I want to try comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm always going to welcome that with open arms, man. Uh, this, this is, this is a, I'm loving well, this the work, right? I mean, it's like, uh, I don't, everybody should be allowed in. And then it all, then ultimately says, did you do a good job? You know, is it something people want to see or, you know, um, uh, and and that's really the the it just should always be about the work. How how did, how did they do? You can't shut out. Um, uh, you know, someone said. You know, do, at one point I think it was on some interview. Oh, you know, down downplay the screenwriter doing graphic novels. Uh, you know, the fans don't want to hear much about. I'm like, you know, you got to be who you are and let mm. the work speak for itself. If I didn't do a good job, tell me. Yeah. But you know, uh, and and I and I have great massive respect. I've said I said. Before they canceled conventions, I got to sit on a few panels um, down in Comic-Con with uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and a bunch of really mm. great guys. And um, and so I totally respect um, John, Brian Polito. I totally respect what these guys do, who this has been their their life and work. And, you know, th- th- for them, there's there's room for anybody if the market wants them, if, the, if, there's, if you tell the story and the fans dig it. So... Uh, yeah. So that's all. That's all I'm trying to do is just tell stories and 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 continue to learn and pay respect to this language, this, this different language. Um, I already had to do. You know, I adapted. A, um, I've, I you know I already dealt with the language question on doing a stage. Uh, the the I did a stage play and a movie of the same story. And learning. Oh, there's different language needs there. I mean, you can't. Anything that is going to be done in a close-up in a movie isn't going to work on stage, mm-hmm. right? So how do I make that key moment of a private look between two people? Well, I can't do it. I got to figure it out a different way. Is it a line of dialogue? Does someone pull someone aside, or do I even need to? Do I have to rethink that entirely for the stage? Um, uh, so again, and then vice versa. So again, same thing with graphic novels: is how much, how little, um, what's visual. You can't write a panel that talks about goes through the door and picks up a a panel is a frozen <laughs> image. Yep. You cannot write it when you write action in a screenplay. Yep. And I realized that very early in my typing, went, oh, no, I can't give Barry that because that'll be confusing. So I had to pick what is the image. You know, So you get to be a little writer-director when you write the script for a graphic novel. 
to actually describe what happens, you know, panel for panel. And then I always gave Barry the leeway to do something different. If he, as long as he, I said, as long as you keep what I send you on the amount of pages I sent you, if you have, but uh, once you, because if you look at page three and the script for page three in my breakdown and go, ha, huh, I see what Steve's going for. I think I could give it to him better. Then send me a rough that's better, a thumbnail that's better. Um, be prepared for me to have, I might have an issue with it, but I'm, I'm not going to try to box you in and say, only do it my way. Right. You know, uh, so I always gave my artists, give my artists, my colorists, everybody room, you know, they're good at what they do. Don't let them not give you their best. Right. Yeah. So that's what I always tried to do is here's my instructions, but feel free to show me yeah. something better. <laughs> I, I really think that's a great form to have too as a writer because um, I, I can say as somebody that's dabbled and attempted to get into this uh, on the other side as an illustrator I, I, I was working with uh, quite the mm, dictator uh, of a writer and it just made it not fun it went from this yeah. oh man I'm going to have so much fun doing this this story is going to be so fun yeah. to what do you mean I got to turn them 45 degrees like yeah, yeah. What, it's <laughs> Dude, <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's nice to know that there's there's more and more writers out there that um are are, are willing to you know un unbox their their uh their 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 artists and mm -hmm. um, it, oh, yeah, it just makes for better storytelling. That that came from my training uh, as a as as a director and what I witnessed on um, being on sets and then being on my own set, which is. You know, the thing about movie sets is that time is money and you want to be open, but you can't literally listen to everybody's opinion. Your day would be gone and you'd be over budget. But by the same token is you hire an actor to play that part. Um, and they've now done all this homework and now they're coming to you excited. You don't want to tell them, nope, you're going to do what I tell you to do. Yeah. A, a cinematographer who has created beautiful images and whatever. You want to say what your shot is, but they're the photographer. Let's see, it, hopefully they understand your vision of the film and are going to service your vision. That's the idea. Is you want to inspire everybody by some central vision, mm. and then take the ideas that service that central vision. You know, mm. uh, uh, as a, uh, and that's that's the director or the writer of a comic book's job is to make sure it's clear what it's supposed to be. Here's the apple it's supposed to be. Oh, now my artist says. You know, I can make it an even, I know how to make it a better, even better apple. Someone else, the problem comes when you go and say, here's my apple. And your artist goes, you know, it really should be an orange. Mm -hmm. Like, oh crap. Now we're yeah. at that place where no one's clear on what it's supposed to be. Right. So if you can really keep people anchored in the center of whatever you're creating, then yeah, then you can feel se secure enough to solicit their opinions. You know, let the actor say, I know you wrote in parentheses above the line shouting, but let me play it where it's actually quietly angry and you're going to see it and you go, wow, that was a brilliant idea, you know? Mm -hmm. So you've got to be open to, right. You hired great people. Why don't you let them be great? Right. You know, <laughs> then they're not inspired. Like you weren't like you said, like, Oh, mm -hmm. he's just going to box me in. Yep. Do this, do this, do this. All right, fine. I'll give you what you want. And that's yep. not a great, relationship you know no, that's not why i'm podcasting now not doing comics <laughs> yeah, i mean it, 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 it yeah it makes a difference in uh the, the way you perceive the, the the rest of everything else from that point on so absolutely it's, absolutely. it's important um 
Man, I, uh, <laughs> I I probably could talk to you for another three hours, Stephen. <laughs> if I didn't have a, a first grader to go pick up from school, we would make that happen. Um, can you, you you have more stuff coming out, right? Um, beyond, uh, um, uh, I, I I always get the uh, Stoker and Wells. I always want to say yeah. Wells and Stoker. Stoker and yeah. Wells. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. Uh, well, beyond Stoker and Wells, you have uh, another she comic as well. Yes. Yeah. So this is Stoker and Wells: Order of the Golden Dawn. Yes. There'll be two other books. Uh, Stoker and Wells, The Ashes of Revenge, and Stoker and Wells, The Plans Against Us. Those will be the, the next two nice. in, in this trilogy of uh, initial trilogy, and then the, ideally the character will keep going. Um, we're putting a little bit of a, of a break on it because there is, uh, we actually have a, um, a production company that is trying to uh, get this made, as this, this book, as a limited series for Netflix or Amazon or AMC. So we're putting together a showrunner, and we're kind of holding off on book two to see if that is part of a whole structure of this property going forward. Uh, rather than putting the book out, we may have actually have uh, a publisher or we may be doing it in conjunction with a network who wants okay. to do first. Like doing this book as season one, like a six or eight one hours, and then, and then figuring, and then I would pitch to them what season two is because I don't want the book to, not to match the show. Right. So I want to kind of maybe do that. I'll get a better handle on that shortly, and then ideally, we'll we may be you know we may launch, um, uh, we may launch in the spring. We may launch later. I'm not not quite sure when, when we'll launch book two. But in the meantime, I'm doing yes. I just we have uh, she Return of the Warrior, which is Billy's relaunching of his his iconic character. She is Amerasian warrior. She um, and he did a very bold thing, which is instead of just trying to pick up where he left off. She's also 15 years older. Oh. She, has, she has a daughter. She's a 15-year-old daughter. Uh, the, the romantic interest who we met uh, 15 years ago is now in jail. Uh, he was a cop. He became a vigilante cop, which sent him to jail. Um, uh, her, her nemesis, who was arrested and incarcerated at the end of the last books, has now been in an insane asylum uh, for a, a home for the criminally insane and he has escaped as the book begins. So, you know, Anna is is uh, a, you know a woman in a, a woman around forty, uh, who is uh, who's uh, a, a, who's trying to bury this identity as Anna. As, she's Anna Ishikawa. She works for the the uh, botanical gardens, Japanese botanical gardens in Manhattan, and has this secret past that she's trying to bury, but. It won't allow her to stay buried. No. He pulls her back in, in Return of the Warrior, which ends on a, a little bit of a cliffhanger. And now uh, book, uh, the second book is called Shi Haikyo, which is ruins in Japanese. Um, and then, uh, which, we, which we conclude. And uh, we know the story for book three. We're working it out, but we haven't come up with the title yet. So awesome. the title tends to come out as we do the treatment. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll have a, that title soon. But right now, she. Return of the Warrior is being sold, I think, as part of Haikyo, uh, the Haikyo campaign. There, one of the add-ons is the Return of the Warrior book. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's on Indiegogo. Um, I think the Kickstarter will be over by the time this airs, but the Indiegogo will be there. Okay. So, awesome. You know, Billy Tucci and she, and uh, and you'll see my name as as uh, well. The only she that he has on there are the, are the new books. So. 
but a lot of great perks, a lot of great stretch goals, a lot of great stuff he's got. He and and, and his wife and Crusade, they, uh, they, they 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 as they you know as his wife constantly says, you know you you're giving them more, Billy. Just keep slow down, Billy. Billy just he wants to give everybody, and it's great. It's great, and the the, the material is great. What he puts out is terrific. Um, so I'm 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 excited. I'm excited to. Uh, you know, Billy. You know, there's always a danger when friends work together who've only existed as friends. Ah. What if we hate each other in the process? And the good news is, when Barry and I worked together, we got on great. First time working together, and uh, and uh, when Billy and I started working together, I was really impressed, and I, I understood why he's been successful. You know, he's really good. He's he's fast, but with but but creates quality. He's great with it with his team. He comes across as a Peter Pan character, but he really knows how to delegate and organize. I, that's I'd say, but I gotta tell you, that's the part that surprised. I thought I was gonna come on board and you were gonna be this ADHD guy all over the place, and you're not. You're like you really know what you're doing and you have it all organized and filed. He goes, oh yeah, 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 thanks. I most people think that, and then they're surprised when I know what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> no, he's really good. Uh, he's been a good, good uh, art. Uh, he did all the um, the pencils. We got a great guy named Gardnio Lima doing the inking. He's he's phenomenal. Billy's just blown away by him, and so am I. Um, uh, so yeah, it's been a terrific book. Uh, the first book I'm proud of, and the second book, um, I think, is as good, if not better, than than the first book. So we'll hopefully three will the third one will keep keep it going in that direction. This is awesome, man. Yeah. This is exciting yeah. times. It's got to be for you. I'm excited yeah. for you. That's for damn sure. Yeah, it's fun to keep growing. It's fun to do things that you could never have predicted you were going to do. As a, uh, To me, I always see, I, I see myself as a storyteller. And so I was a storyteller as a little kid. I wrote short stories. And then when I found out there was this thing called plays, I would write these little one-act plays. And then I, then I said, oh, may, I'll make movies. And then I went to NYU for film and writing screenplays. And so everything became film, film, film. You know, and then around 2010, my agents and managers said, hey, Steve, you know, uh, reality TV has plateaued. People want to see interesting new television is much coming much more open to new ideas, new voices. If you've had a background in, in, in film or theater, they want to hear TV ideas for the first time from people who have never written TV before. So then I learned that language and got involved there. Um, you know, I've had uh, plays published and performed. So... So then this new language, I'm like, why not? This sounds like this sounds like a blast. I'm a director, so visual is, is something that excites me. Composing not just the script, but the visual for it and sharing it with an artist. You know, uh, and, and it's close correlation to filmmaking. I'm the writer-director. And then Barry basically is my cinematographer, production designer, casting director. <laughs> like, he's basically all these different people in a movie, you know. Yeah. He has to do all these other jobs, so it's like he's he's my crew rolled into one. So it's it's kind of great. It's a lot of fun. I love it. Yeah, I love it, man. Stephen, I I really wish I didn't have to go. I want to just continue to talk to you. There's so much. Oh, there's so much well, for somebody book. that only has a, a a couple of books out there. It's incredible how much there is to talk about. I mean, just <laughs> what what you've come from, the, the the your film background, who you've worked with. It, it, already an interesting comic book creator so. well, when when haikyo actually hits the market i'll send it to you maybe we can come back on do you ever do shows with more than one person on sure yeah i can bring billy on maybe we'll come back on with haikyo when when uh, when it comes to market in in uh, a month or so let's do it let's, let's do, do it man that, that sounds awesome 
That Alrighty. sounds awesome. You stay safe out there, Stephen. Um, uh, do you have any social uh, media tags? Yeah, I'm on. I'm on uh, Twitter at Stephen G. Peros. G for George, my fa- my middle name, my dad's name. So uh, Stephen G. Peros is my uh, Twitter. Uh, I'm uh, one of two Stephen Peroses on Facebook. I'm the one who is not a realtor. Okay. Uh, I'm the one who has pictures of Stoker and Wells and things all over his page. Uh, and so I have an active on, on Facebook. Um, StephenPeros.com. You can always, you can contact me there. There's a contact info at, so you can StephenPeros.com. Very, uh, very simple. Uh, Stoker and Wells has a Facebook page. I'm on Instagram. I'm trying to get more on Instagram, but right now I, uh, tr- uh but, uh, and then again, and then the book itself on Indiegogo. So look awesome. for us at Indiegogo and, and Amazon and Comixology and, and all sorts of places. Well, I'm going to put all of the links to all of the campaigns in the show notes for sure. So there's Thank no you. excuse for the listeners to not be able to find it. Um, I've got some supporting to do myself. I didn't realize that she was a live campaign right now. So yeah, i got to go get on that and make sure. Oh. i I got to double check to make sure I backed uh um, uh, Stoker and Wells. I, I I don't remember, but if if not, it's gonna happen here within the next oh, few hours. So I'm I'm very kind of you. I'm I'm so pumped, man. You uh, you have an incredibly bright future in comics ahead of you. Thank I you. I, I, I know it. it. I and, appreciate uh, it. I, I look forward to to so many more conversations. Uh, this is just the first it. of many. I have it's a feeling. Here. Absolutely. All right, Stephen Peros, you stay safe, sir. Cheers, brother. Cheers. Well, there you go. Episode 287. Stephen Peros was the creator that I quanted, and he was an absolute delight. I enjoyed every minute listening to this man talk, knowing what's coming with she. I suddenly became a she fan. I never thought I was a she fan, but after talking... It's not that I dislike she. I was like, yeah, she, that exists. But after talking with somebody that was, I mean, a part of it, and then that person being so goddamn interesting and uh, just likable, I, yeah, no, I boom, just like that, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. That's why I do these creator corners, uh, you know? And sometimes it's the creator that can sway you. Maybe not. Maybe you didn't like the cover when you saw it originally. Uh, maybe that the title didn't quite catch you. Maybe the concept wasn't really something that you'd be interested in. But for some reason, you enjoyed the creator. And that's why I do these. And I'm not saying that Stoker and Wells is one of those books, because jeepers, creepers, this is... Mm, it's so good, guys. It's so good. So, um, yeah, no, this has been another podcast. I, uh, obviously... <laughs> Thank you. If you've made it this far, you're obligated at this point, if you haven't already, to leave a five-star iTunes or Apple Podcast review or leave any feedback, any positive feedback, any where you listen to this podcast and you have the ability to rate or comment. Please do. It helps with algorithms and science and stuff. So, yeah, that's... That's important. Um, also, be aware of a Patreon page, patreon.com slash cheers to comics. I can honestly say that this, uh, you, you could have listened to this whole episode um, uh, five weeks ago, actually. And as a matter of fact, I'm not even going to say the whole episode. I'm going to say the raw episode because there's no intro, there's no, none of that. It's just boom. How you doing? Hit and record. Let's do this. Um, yeah, man. No ads. Nothing like that. So... 
uh, that's it's a buck a month, man, a buck a month. And every creator corner I do, as soon as it's recorded, boom, in the Patreon. So, and I, you know, here, here's some math for you. I record um, a minimum. I can't say a minimum. Lately, a minimum of uh, two interviews a week, and I put out one interview a week, and I'm backed up about five a week. Imagine, imagine how many episodes you could have listened to. Uh-huh. Or could potentially listen to early without hearing all this dumbness. So, <laughs> uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash cheers to comics. Um, yeah. Also... I gotta say, you know, I'm gonna, now that it's out, it's, well, it's going to be, as of right now, officially, um, I'm starting another podcast, uh, so, yeah, <laughs> stay tuned for Brian's Brain, it has nothing to do with comics, it's, uh, it's a whole different thing, um, uh, so if if you're uh, potentially an angry comic book reader, this might be the thing for you. I'm not saying it's uh, going to be an angry podcast, but I'm going to be here and had a lot of grievances. You know, uh, therapy is expensive, so I'm going to take it out on a microphone five times a week. So <laughs> stay tuned for that. It should be fun. Also, I do apologize. This episode's a little bit late. Had some uh, some internet difficulties, so yeah. Here it is, though. You've listened. You're not sad anymore. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, It's always been a pleasure. Please, please stay safe out there. Read responsibly. Cheers, you fuckers. Hi, you're listening to Cheers to Comics podcast. This is Mark Russell, and you're listening to the Cheers to Comics podcast. Hey, everyone. I'm Monty Michael Moore, and this is the Cheers to Comics podcast with Brian Wayne. This is Drew Zucker. You're listening to the Cheers to Comics podcast.